Travolting presents The Fraser's Edge. Hosted by Jeff Sweeney and Stuart Elmore. Covering No Sudden Move. With special guest William Angelico. Let's try it. Yeah. Bo Stewart, stop. Stop. No sudden moves, all right? That was so there we are. Dumb. There we are. That was so dumb. <laughs> I'm offended by that one, actually. <laughs> that might have been the worst one yet. It might have been. Have I got a bad one for you next week, though. Oh, yeah. Already thinking about These are it. that premeditated. Only next week. You week's. can't even have the cover of I just came up with it. I've had two weeks to I, you, I usually come up with them on the spot, but next week's has been in the crawl for a little bit. <sighs> I mean, I'm just trying to think. It's like... Uh, so, uh, we were trying to go watch this one movie, but, uh, no, I, sorry, I can't even, mm-hmm. I can't, there's no, there's no good intro for this. Yeah. I don't know. It, no good intro, but there is a good movie. There is a good movie. This is, uh, hey everybody, welcome to the Fraser's Edge. Yes, um, welcome back, uh, to Trolls Presents the Fraser's Edge, the only show in America covering an actor's filmography <laughs> from start to end. There's no other other podcast doing it. No one. Definitely not the same. Uh, not the same actor. You say America, <laughs> but should we stop there? Is it world? Do yeah, we think? you know, it's very much world. Galactic. <laughs> <laughs> to be, uh, there are, in fact, no other podcast in the known solar system that are covering an actor so much. I think in one other star system, there's like a civilization that might be doing this. But other than that, we can at least claim solar system. We got a message from uh, Europa. That said, um, do not attempt landing or podcasting. A cease and desist. Yeah. <laughs> do not attempt landing or podcasting here. All these worlds are yours except Europa. Except Europa. This one is ours. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we actually get to cover a good movie. This is yes. our first movie into the new era yes. of Fraser's Edge. Which like we kind of loosely called the Arturus Return. I'm open to changing that. Oh, not like in this a negative a new, sense. This is a new change of tune. Well, I'm like, should we just call it like the comeback era? Like, should we make it simpler? Arturus Return has a nice little like. It does have a nice ring to it. Has it has a nice ring to it. Yeah, I kind of because like we are covering three of those back to back to back. Yeah, and so far it's been nothing but bangers. Yes. Well, we'll talk. Not this week, but uh, next week was a banger. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh yeah, so Auteurs Return, Comeback Era, what, whatever have you, we're out of the doldrums yes. for Fraser's um, Edge. We are done covering the worst movies you've ever heard of in your life. <laughs> well, uh, two weeks I, ago... We co- Secret of Karma? Yeah, have yeah. you <laughs> seen The Secret of Karma? So I was just... No, I have not. And I was just looking at... Really I wanted a- to look at the before and after of yeah. No Sudden Move, and I, I pulled this up. I cannot believe the poster. <laughs> and... I don't know where to begin. Um, it looks like space. Um, it looks like space. There is a propeller plane that looks like the, uh, an evolution of what the Wright brothers had thought. And then he, Brendan Fraser is wearing some sort of, it looks like a galactic Egyptian uh, headdress. Well, you see, he's clear. Well, clearly, obviously, he's playing Animus. Animus. The, uh, um, the intergalactic creator of <laughs> story. Okay, understood. Um, now I know where you got that cease and desist from. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, so quick, uh, no sudden or um, secret of karma corner. Um, that episode was a discovery in and of itself because we discovered that that movie is directed by Milan Friedrich. 
um, who is a, <laughs> a um, yeah, a what did we determine he actually works in? Was he's like, like a businessman. He's like just a businessman. Yeah, who made a lot of money and decided he wanted to go into movies. Yes, and so his whole website is him being like, "I work. I have an office at Universal down the block from Steven Spielberg. Oh no, I have worked with Brendan Fraser, Denise Richards, and he's just listing all this stuff off. And then like you dig deeper into his website, and it's like I will explain to you how to open your mind to the concepts of the universe. Oh boy, it's like it's a multi-level teriology. Yeah. It's Milan Friedrichology. Yeah. Yes. And um, that's where Secret of Karma, all, all of that, all of those intersect. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All, all there. That movie is explaining his uh, his theories okay. on the, the indomitability of the human spirit. Did you watch it on the Roku channel with uh, commercials? I did not. I paid uh, the $2 to rent it because I said I simply cannot commit this much time to this movie. <laughs> if I'm already going to be bombarded with this man's own commercial ideology, I cannot watch the Cracker Barrel commercial <laughs> 15 times throughout the process. <laughs> Cracker Barrel commercials, all right though. It's it's fine. It's totally fine. Like yeah. it's a better movie than the Secret of Karma, but yeah, it is. But we are not here to talk about the Secret of Karma. We are not because we have good karma on our side because we get to cover No Sudden Move. Yeah, a good movie. A good movie. Um, See, so yeah, we we checked back in with Brendan after the Secret of Karma. It's the last movie he was in. Um, he kind he is essentially um, taking his five year sabbatical from major motion picture acting uh kind of you know went through some self-discovery and self you know improvement um after his you know surgeries and divorce and a lot of other personal issues um he comes back and he does you know line of descent secret of karma poison rose just as a way of like reestablishing himself in the movies and then the tide turns i feel like with covid do you remember this during in 2020 during like the height of covid there was kind of like a renaissance, um, yeah. Just like in popular perception, hmm. I feel like a lot of people went to comfort movies, yeah. During COVID, and a lot obviously. of that was The Mummy and George. A the Jungle. lot of people went back to The Mummy, yeah. And I felt like The Mummy was just like kind of, like that's the year where I really just started seeing a populist like reevaluation of that movie, yeah. People were like this is so much fun, like this is everything I remember from my childhood. This is a real like light in the darkness right now, at the height of this and. You know, it led to, you know, T-shirts. There's a song called Brendan Fraser is Back, um, (laughs) amongst several others. And at this time, he gets cast in this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, No Sudden Move, directed by Steven Soderbergh. Yeah. Um, He also gets cast in The Whale kind of around the same time. Right. And so the immediate perception of this is that, you know, Brendan kind of, you know, he paid his dues with those three previous movies in a literal sense. And now he's getting noticed during this like kind of populist reevaluation of his previous career. People are like, where where's that guy at? He should be, you know, in movies. And I, I want to emphasize, even though we're not covering it, the uh, the legwork that Doom Patrol kind of did for this, um, the DC HBO show. Yeah, that did a lot of work at just like kind of reevaluating his image in a popular sense. Um, and then you know Steven Soderbergh, Darren Aronofsky, eventually Martin Scorsese. They're like, this guy has something. He has it, whatever it is. Yeah. And let's let's see what we can do with him in our movies. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Aronofsky takes that to the fullest extent in The Whale. Yeah. But I think Soderbergh is very interesting. Like, let's let's put him in one of my ensembles. Because Soderbergh's yeah. a big ensemble guy. Yeah. He loves these ensembles of movie stars. 
Um, you know, and it could be like Matt Damon in some of his movies in like a one scene role. Mm-hmm. He just kind of gets these groups together and just kind of lets them play. Um, and he's like, let's get Brendan in there. And Brendan is in this movie. Yeah. And I think he's pretty dang good in this movie. He fulfills the job to yeah. its greatest extent. Yes. He's having a lot of fun. There's yeah. no ego on his end of having what is objectively a pretty small role in the movie. Yeah. But he kind of fills the role with a lot of character while he's on screen. Yeah. Which is what you want to see from a guy like this. Yeah. Um, you don't want to see, like, Travolta, for example. We talked about his fatal flaws. He just keeps taking lead roles yeah. in bad movies mm-hmm. instead right. of supporting roles in good movies. Yeah. And I think Brendan kind of gets that that message. He's like, I need to see where I am a utility player. Where am I of best utility to the story that's being told? Yeah. And in this movie, he's like, you know what? I will gladly take on this, like, essentially, like, six-scene role. Yeah. Um, as, like, a mob cop capo. Or, a like, lot of it over the phone. Mid-level enforcer. Oh, but he's... He's, he's so good. He's on the so phone. good on the phone. <laughs> best phone. That's some of the best phone acting I have ever heard. Yeah, it's really the way he sort of um, chameleons himself into like you think this guy is just someone who's you know an underling who's sort of playing between these two parties, but what you come to find out is he actually has more power. Yeah, and I think for him, as it, it's very meta. I hate that, like saying mm. that, but it is like. Him as Brendan Fraser coming back at this time, he sort of we discover this character is way more powerful than we yeah. thought he was, and that's very you know astute with like his career is like you're like you're kind of undervaluing Brendan Fraser at this point, and two years later he wins an Oscar, right? Yeah, um, he's, you're kind of undervaluing him, and you're like I can't believe Brendan Fraser's doing a like the like eighth bill person in this movie, and they're like no Brendan Fraser's good in this movie, right? Yeah, he's bringing a lot to the table here. And he hangs with everyone he's dancing with in that movie yeah. and in heavy scenes with Don Cheadle and Benicio Del Toro mm-hmm. and, yeah. and Ray Liotta. Like, yeah. come on. It he's, makes you really excited for Killers of the Flower Moon. Oh, God. I feel like he's going to be kind of in the same, like, eighth build. Yeah. But he's going to have, like, his, like, three or four, like, really good scenes and then mm-hmm. probably won't see him for the rest of the two-thirds of the movie. But, but those scenes, But though. those scenes, though, you know? And this is where, through most of the doldrums era... Um, that we, you know, especially when I was losing my shit watching Hairbrained. Um, I was like, that was another one I glanced over. <laughs> quite possibly the worst movie I've ever seen. <laughs> it's in contention. Well, bef- last time I was on it was the uh, PlayStation graphics one. Yeah, oh, that movie is, a, that so is what's worse? better than Hairbrained. <laughs> <laughs> that movie at okay. least is... Wait, wait, wait. No, 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 no. Jeff, 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 Jeff. Hairbrain, you can look at it and not want to vomit at least. I feel like Sinbad would give you vertigo and uh, seizures. Here's the thing. Sinbad is funny about how bad it is. Hairbrain is trying to be funny and failing drastically. (laughs) At least with Sinbad, when I'm watching it, I can (laughs) every now and again. When I'm watching Hairbrain, I'm like Googling the Geneva Conventions. (laughs) And I'm like, what am I legally allowed to do here? Okay, but... (laughs) Uh, well, have you seen or heard of Pawn Shop Chronicles? No. <laughs> first act kind of good. <laughs> the fact that that guy will say first act kind of good, I do not take his word for movie okay. advice at all. Okay. That movie is... That, that movie, movie is detestable and evil, but the first act's kind of funny. <laughs> See? No. <laughs> no. Not even. 2015. It's, okay. it's a really bad, yeah. really 
morally reprehensible. Yeah, reprehensible movie is a good that word. Brendan Fraser is in. <laughs> okay. That he probably would rather us all forget. Yes. Another ensemble or an attempt at an ensemble? Yeah, he plays kind. an Elvis impersonator. That oh, movie no. is trying to be uh what if Pulp Fiction took place in the South? Yeah. It's basically what it is. Okay. Yeehaw. Yeehaw. Okay. Um but he, you know, has a he moves very suddenly up the chain. Yes. And then gets into this movie, no sudden move. Yes. That was the worst <laughs> version of that I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> well, it's better than like, Stuart, no s- sudden move, stick him up. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. better than that intro. The hell. Okay, uh, so. Oh. What else, well, I mean, what other pretext you got? Okay, so this movie is originally announced in November of 2019. Um, Steven Soderbergh, right. at this stage in his career, I know. Is I think I know where you're going with this. Very interesting to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Um, because he is doing so much at all times now. Yeah, he is quite prolific. Yeah, he um, in the year of our Lord 2023 directed a movie, Magic Mike's um, Last Dance. He also directed two eight to six epi- or six to eight episode TV shows. Yes. So he's directed 14 episodes plus a movie in this year alone. He's and these aren't like small shows. Like Full Circle is a big, another ensemble, New York, mm-hmm. uh, international, really. Yeah. Um, and then the other, what's the other one? No. Um, Command Z. Command Z, yeah. Which is more, is a smaller, you know, more indie. But still, he's doing it all. Yeah. And he is, you know, he directs his movies. He's frequently the DP for his movies, and he is frequently the editor for his movies. He does a basic, and he produces all of his movies. He is like a one-man machine. And, you know, he's directed two movies in 2019, one movie in 2020, a movie in 2021, movie in 2022. Like, he directs a movie every year and TV shows on top of that. He's just insanely prolific. Um, at this stage in his career. Like, he was pretty busy in, like, the 2000s when and the 90s when he popped off. But he was doing slightly, um, like, more prestige I would say, mm-hmm. movies. Yeah. And he's kind of settled into more leaning into his Oceans side than his Solaris side. Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of experimenting and making movies and having fun. And I'm yeah. very excited for him for that. Um, but he gets announced to do this movie in 2019. Wait, I have to say, too. Yes. Che is, like, one of the most criminally underseen movies, period. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't... I mean, it's a criterion, but, like, it came out... No one wanted to buy it mm-hmm. after, like, for distribution. And they, like, busted their ass to make this thing. Two mm-hmm. parts. It's, like, four and a half hours. <clears throat> They're really there in the jungles doing this thing. Yeah. Then you get done with that. And I believe he did that thing where he's like, I'm going to retire. Yeah, he retired yeah. after Magic Mike. That's right. Okay. So he eventually got there and then that went yeah. away. He said, I'm only going to direct TV mm-hmm. and I'm going to be the cinematographer for movies. Yeah, he wanted I'm to done directing it. movies. Right. And then very... That, yeah, <laughs> I could already see where that kind of goes. The thing that's funny is he directs Magic Mike and then they announce Magic Mike Double XL. And he is the DP for that movie. He is not the director of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> and then when they make Magic Mike 3, he is the director. Back to the director. Magic Mike 3. The saga of Magic Mike tells <laughs> yeah. that story. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He, t- he, he retires for three years. 
And then he comes back to movies with Logan Lucky, mm-hmm. um, which is a movie I love very much. Very good movie. And the thing to Logan Lucky sidebar very briefly. Yes. Because it does play into my thoughts on this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Logan Lucky, when it was first conceived, people were like, oh, it's Ocean's Eleven, but with hillbillies. And it's going to be making fun of like hillbilly culture. And the thing that's so genius about that movie is that it knows that you're coming in like, oh, this is going to be a funny movie about For hillbillies. That. And the whole movie in the background, you're not realizing these hillbillies are so much smarter than the audiences, and they're pulling a con on top of a yes. con. Yes, on you, the the yeah. who's watching the movie. And the yeah. final thesis of the movie is like, these people are smart. They are, you know, emotional human beings who have entire ecosystems of their own. And you came into this movie undervaluing them, and that is your own mistake. Yes. And he does that in this movie as well with Don Cheadle, especially. Yes. Yeah. Um, more in like a racial way than, you know, cultural in the sense of hillbillies and whatnot. And the characters in No Sudden Move are also doing that yes. to Don Cheadle. They're all undervaluing him, um, and the audience is meant to undervalue him. And then, you know, at the end of the movie, he's the one who gets away with exactly what he wanted. I mean, literally undervalue him. Like, yes. Literally, like, like when they put out the bounty, it's always yeah, like right. yeah. <laughs> put a higher bounty on Benicio Del Toro than Don Cheadle. Exactly. It's and he's the one calling, making all these right. moves. Yeah, Don yeah. Cheadle's the one calling the shots. Yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, it's such smart filmmaking. Yeah, um, and structure for this movie. Um, when this movie's originally announced, Don Cheadle is right in the cast. Um, Josh Brolin is supposed to be playing the Benicio del Toro role. Mm. Um, and he probably would have been good. Yeah. Um, but I think Benicio has the perfect energy for it, what this character is yeah. trying to be. Brolin would have done like a pretty good, pretty good job, but I hundred percent agree. Del Toro just like he, it's the most like the facade of like I'm, I'm, I'm like sort of the second in command, but he's not even the second in command. He's mm-hmm. like the very bottom pillar yeah. <laughs> of the whole operation, just getting strung along. And so this movie, um, it gets delayed due to COVID production. Yeah, um, they cycle out of a lot of actors because of COVID reasons, um, but eventually goes into production with the cast. That it has. Yeah. I do think it's interesting. Brendan Fraser is not announced to be in this movie when it's first announced pre-COVID. When it picks up production again after COVID, he's at He is cast. announced. I think if this movie goes into production in March, as is planned, Brendan Fraser is not in this movie. Yeah. And I think that that would be a crime. And Are I you think saying that the pandemic has led to the Renaissance? I think the pandemic kind of led to the Renaissance. Well, he was already casted in The Whale, though, to be clear. Wasn't that this movie got in The Whale? Right. Yes, but yeah. it's like, it's just the whale. Let me look up. When is he? No, he was not announced to be in the whale until January of 21. This is the no, first movie. Really? Gets you could be onto something here. And I truly think like, had COVID not happened, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I would prefer COVID not to have happened. Of course. Um, we're not, you're yeah. not saying the podcast is pro COVID. <laughs> we're, we're, right? not, we're not pro COVID. Pro COVID 19. Fuck off. Um, I'm not pro COVID, but I think that if COVID doesn't happen, this movie goes into production without Brendan Fraser. I also question does the whale find Brendan Fraser? Mm. Well,. Because that it was that well, was a stage play before it was a movie. Right. Uh-oh. It exists. I'm curious. Does Aronofsky still do it? Because Aronofsky said like it was a different movie that he watched of Fraser's that like led to him yes. casting it. Him. Well, it, it was well, a different movie, but I'm like, does he watch that movie if Brendan doesn't have this? Because he probably of- watched the movie during COVID. Yes. 
I'm like, there's like a weird butterfly effect happening. And does I, someone else get cast in the whale. Does he just not make the whale? Because I, I feel like part of the reason he wanted to do the whale is it's contained and you can just do it with like six actors. I have heard that that was why he wanted to do something that would yeah. shoot that production could Handle. work with. Yes. Because if, you know, if COVID doesn't happen, he's like, well, I'm, I'm going to go make, you know, mother too. Um, she's back. <laughs> <laughs> she's back. That's a t- subtitle of the movie. It was the trailer to Journey to the End of the Night that Aronofsky okay, saw yes. that led him to casting Fraser. We did talk about that. Which is so funny. It wasn't the movie. It was the trailer yes. to Journey. Have you seen Journey to the End of the Night? I, I, I have not. You, there's Don't. no reason to. It's not terrible. It's fine. It's, it's fine. It's you described it best where it's like it's like a everything happening in one night kind of movie. Yeah. Like good time. It's like the and... bad it's uh, not it's like the the subpar version of um good time or uh, after, after hours. hours. Yeah. Yeah. I had to look at the shelf to remember the name of that movie. I knew it was there. Yeah. <laughs> um but he's pretty good in that movie. Yeah, no, he's good in the movie. Yeah. I didn't even say pretty good. He's Wait, really he good saw at... this trailer saw in the two thousand six? Or he uh like, well what, is he that's did, a good point. Is he watching it recently? Journey of the Night 2006? Is Darren Aronofsky casting people on IMDb <laughs> just going through their trailers? <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if he's just there watching trailers, just scrolling. Nope. <laughs> nope. Ah, but there. There I wanna, we go. I, well, now I want to watch the trailer Journey of the Night and know what the trailer moment was that he saw. That was what? like, Fraser's it. Right. I've not. I've admittedly have not seen the trailer to Journey. <laughs> I've seen the movie. Okay, so the three actors who drop out of this movie um, during the COVID. Clooney's one of them, right? It's George Clooney. Yeah. Sebastian Stan, John Cena. God damn. Are the three guys who drop out. Obviously, Sebastian Stan of is the replaced. Whale? Um, from No Son of Move. Sorry. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Obviously, Sebastian Stan drops out. Is replaced by Kieran Culkin. Oh, that yeah. That is so for obviously sure. yes. the yes. role that Sebastian Stan yes. was going to play. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm deeply curious. Do we think John Cena was going to play <laughs> this character? I think John. Wait, wait. Do you mean the the, the John Brendan Fraser? Oh, that's what I no. was thinking when you said that. I'm deeply curious if John Cena was supposed to play this role. Or I don't know why it it comes into my head because I can't see anyone playing Frank but Ray Liotta. But for some reason, I can think of John Cena playing Frank or the David Arbor's character. It could be that. Well, uh, Matt Words. I can see him. I know, but then he's like such a threat to them. Right. You know, like physically. David Arbor in this movie. He's pretty big, too. Like, yeah, because David Arbor in this movie, like, I, I, we all know him from like Stranger Things as like the tough sheriff. His physique, though, and his, the way, I love David Arbor in this movie he's, so he's much really because he does yeah. a good job of making him seem like, like, to put it in like the best way possible, like as beta as possible. Like he like, but you, but it's he, David Arbor. I know, <laughs> and he's actually plotting, doing things behind our backs that we don't know. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. he, he does a really good job. It's a very interesting casting choice. I don't because I like you think like who should I who can I cast that can put on the facade of being like a weakling man who does accountant that's just a number right. pusher. And David Arbor, like genius choice. Mm-hmm. The it thing about David Arbor is that he is so good. He is. He is really good in Stranger Things, and then he is great in basically every movie that I've seen him in. And he deserves. Oh boy, yeah. He deserves better material than what he's (laughs) getting right now. Because, folks, have you ever heard of We Have a Ghost? We Have a Ghost. It is a Netflix original movie that came out this year. And Stuart, I'm going to show you just one still from this movie. (laughs) (laughs) That's not real. That came out this year. Yeah, this year. 
<laughs> and it's just disrespectful what we are doing to this man. <laughs> Very good. How is he in Gran Turismo? He is so good in Gran Turismo. Of course he is. Gran Turismo, a movie that is so much better than I thought it was going to be. Okay. Really? It's like not. Gr- it's not like the best movie ever. It's like a, a soft on like on second base seven. <laughs> you said it would be good for me. You said I. You would, would love this movie. I would love Gran Turismo. Stu- Stu- Gran Are you ready for this? Will is a movie about a kid who sits around and plays video, plays Gran Turismo all day, and he wants and he wants to be a racer. And his dad is always like, "You can't be a racer, son." And he's like, <laughs> "I can be a racer, dad." And his other brother is like an actual athlete, and he's the one who the parents like more. Oh, he's like, fuck. "I'm gonna go be a racer." <laughs> so he signs up to be in David Harbor's like training camp. And David Harbour becomes his surrogate father during this. Fuck. And then he yeah. reconnects with his real dad, yeah. who finally tells yeah. him, oh, I'm proud of you, son. Yeah. God you damn it. Call my anymore. shot. No, you don't need to and they play the music from the end of Heat. They do not <laughs> play that they, they, song. They, 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 I know, it's yeah. Moby. Yes. And they play that. And she's like, oh, I'm proud of you, son. And I'm like weeping in the theater. <laughs> yeah, um, you're so true. I would, Stuart, probably, love, love I would probably love this movie. Fathers and Sons just hits. It's also a true story. Yeah. yeah, based on a true story. No, every just, that's a document. It's basically a document. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't think. Have you seen the the standee that they're putting in some theaters for that movie? This oh I have not. Please show. Uh, oh, do you have a picture next to it? I, I can. You look. always take your pictures next to your standees. I so this is I'm not kidding you. An actual standee that was put in the theaters for Gran Turismo. For the listener home, please Google Gran Turismo standee. This is like just something you would see at an AMC. <laughs> like what? What pr- is that? They printed out the entire variety review for this movie and put it just on a standee. That's great. That's <laughs> what? Changed the title from Gran Turismo to Gran Turismo based, based on, on a, a true, true story. That is not the sub t- subheading. That is the actual title of the movie. It's Gran Turismo based, based on, on a true, true story. story. Okay. Fuck. Imagine you so, walk into the AMC. And you're like, hang on, I got, I got to read this thing. <laughs> you, stay, you miss the opening of your movie because you're just in there reading the entire standee. Oh, my God. Uh, uh, is there any other pretext for a no sudden move, Jeff? Um, yeah. Uh, they, they, in, in typical Soderbergh style, they start filming this movie on September 28th and they wrap on November 12th. It's like <laughs> a five-week shoot. Wait, can I? Ed Solomon needs a shout out. You, yes, are we'll you shout gonna, out Ed okay, Solomon? Okay, good, because he is he is quite the writer, and he's doing a really good show right now that gives um, contributions to people who are trying to keep it together during the strike, um, but also some crazy titles that he has written: Bill and Ted's uh, Men in Black. Come on, now you see me's. Did he? And Full Circle, the most recent series as well. He ha- he is incredibly prolific. Yes, um, and a lot of good stuff too. Oh wow, I did not. Oh, the original Super Mario Brothers. Come on, <laughs> damn. <laughs> Ed Solomon is also currently has been getting fucked by Sony for twenty five years, um, who is still claiming that Men in Black is not a profitable movie, um, and not paying him his royalties, even though it has spawned three sequels. It's ins- <laughs> yes. What the fuck? Yeah. Um, Hollywood accounting is alive and well. <laughs> Um, that's fantastic. I do think that's all I have in terms of pretext. Um, the movie gets made and it comes out on HBO Max. Um, it, it goes to Tribeca Film. You say it starts filming September twenty twenty of twenty twenty. Okay, because November twelfth of twenty. Because there there was a one tidbit trivia piece that where they said like because with Soderbergh having done Contagion that like they had yeah. like CDC folks on the set. Yeah. 
monitoring oh. all the stuff. And I, it was a David Arbor, I, I don't know what magazine interview it was, but he was just talking about like, yeah, I mean, it's Soderbergh. So like we're getting live updates on the vaccine and shit yeah. and how much he called it kind of perfectly. The, the DGA, as soon as this happened, called it Soderbergh. No to, shit. Yes. To sort of like figure out what the hell do we do here? This is the only guy who knows this because of everything he did for <laughs> of Contagion. A movie he yes. made. He's yes. just a cultural omnivore and just knows everything he, that's happening. Yes. To the extent, you know, he consulted on the DGA and like AMPTP, like um, COVID procedures. He also directed the Oscars um, that year. I did um, not know that. Because they're like, who the fuck? How do, is, like, how, who, who wants to direct the Oscars <laughs> during the COVID year? And he's like, Stuck his hand up. (laughs) And so he directed the Oscars, put together COVID rules, made three movies and two TV shows. My God. uh, Steven Soderbergh is the personification of the never let them know your next move. Yes. I mean, you can't pin him down. All of these things are so different from one another. Yeah. And you're saying never let him know your next move, but he's kind of saying no sudden moves. (laughs) I, I set you up. I lobbed you that never one. Never back down. Never what? <laughs> never give up. Never back down. Never what? Never give up. <laughs> uh, would we like to delve into the, the plot of this movie? Yes. Do it. To start talking Let's about go. it. Let's um, go. I want to shout out Wikipedia, who has an incredibly extensive uh, summary of this movie. I can remember the movie pretty well, but there are just a lot of moving parts to it. So this will yeah. be good for the skeleton of the conversation. Uh, so we start off right away with um, Don Cheadle, the lead of the movie, mm-hmm. uh, playing Curtis Goins, mm-hmm. a normal name. Um, <laughs> I like Goins. Goins. <laughs> it's, it's a good last name. Um, so he's um, fresh out of prison. Gird your Goins. Um, returning to Detroit, which is um, in a state of decline in the four years since he left. Uh, they're starting to plow through um, majority black neighborhoods to build a interstate. Mm-hmm. Um, and the auto companies are taking over the town in a real way. Um, and so he is, you know, leaving from, you know, four years before all this happened, coming back to a Detroit in decline. Um, and he's immediately like, I want to get out of town. I need money. And so he goes to, who does he go to first? Does he go to Fraser or does Fraser find him? Well, somebody mentions a job that he's going to meet with somebody in a car, and Fraser's on the one of the driver's okay. seats. He, he shows up to that guy's, I forget his name, but his business, and said there's someone in the back, yeah. and that is Fraser. Yes. Yeah. So we first we immediately get Fraser uh, sitting in the front seat. We get Frasered pretty early yeah. in this yeah, one. Yeah, we do. <laughs> right on the Fraser's edge. <laughs> Um, Very good. <laughs> yeah, like a tiny sigh. Yes. Very good. Very good. And Fraser tells him about the job. Yeah. And uh, from what we get at this point, it's he's going to, you know, go to a fan to a house and babysit a family while they take the father of the house and um go rob something yeah they don't tell them too much they just need to hold the family hostage while david arbor's character's gotta go get something for them yes they say babysit sort of yeah because they i think it sounds more like you know we just need you to look tough and mean but we're not actually gonna hurt anybody and his performance in this exact moment this is the first moment that we're seeing this like uh, would you refer to it as the auteur auteurist return the return for fraser and his he just like does it so well where he plays this like 
He's sort of this guy that doesn't really know what's going on. Yeah. And I just have these details. I'm giving it to you mm-hmm. when he really does know. And we don't know this yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The thing he's really good at in this movie is playing exasperated. Yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> like in the context of the movie, like he's playing a mobster. But he's basically what this movie is overall thesis. What he's basically playing is just like a middle manager who is just trying to finish the project he's yes. working on, and he's getting really annoyed that all of his employees aren't performing exactly like he wants to. Yes. Yeah, he just wants to get this project done so he can go home and drink a beer. <laughs> That's like his <laughs> objective in this movie. Yeah. Um. Um. So, but they hire three separate men. Yes. Uh, Don Cheadle's first, and then Benicio del Toro, who we get introduced to, who is like. I, I was having a tough time like kind of calculating this. He's just like a paranoid person with some mob connections, but like, cause I don't know, like the first scene when he's in his apartment, he's just like scouting about looking around. Seems all kind of sketchy. He's like, he's like, you know, one of those guys who the mob just hires for things. Yeah. He's not in the organization itself, but like he works for the organization. Yeah. Cheeto was yeah. like he's a freelancer. Yeah. yeah. Cheeto was like in a mob, mm. but is now not in that mob anymore. I think a big thing this movie is trying to accomplish is drawing the parallel between the mob, business, and the police. Yes. So he's trying to like point out that all three of those structures are basically built. They're exactly all doing the same. same. Yeah. Yeah. And so they they get Don, they get uh, Benicio del Toro. Yeah. And I love his first little thing is like I like to sit in the back. Can can yeah. you move to the front? And he's like, you're welcome to sit right next to me. It's like, I really prefer if you sit in the yeah. front. Just like that paranoia. Yeah, uh, getting shot in the back. He, he is yeah. a bit racist, too, yeah. towards yeah. him. And that's like something with the gangs that at that time or the mob, the different crime families, mm-hmm. they were, they had thoughts about each other yeah. at that time. Because they have the different pasta names for the crime bosses. They have Capolini. Capelli. Mamma mia. Tell me I'm wrong. They have they have Capol they have like Aaron Capolini and then they have uh, Robert Stromboli. Like (laughs) right, those are the the two main. It is weird when Travolta from um, Lonely Hearts does walk into this movie. (laughs) (laughs) I am gonna look up the real Dave. So it's like Capelli is one of them. Capelli and and Watkins is the um, the Bill Duke character. Yeah. Oh, shout out Bill Duke. Yeah, watch yeah, it. Capelli and Watkins. Um, yeah. Bill Duke, underrated director as well. Really? He has directed some ama- Deep oh, Cover as one of the best movies. Mm. Um, he directed Deep Cover? Yes. Uh, and idea. then The Killing Floor, which is like mm. a, is really good too. Um, but also his presence in this too was like so... He only needs, like, you need to have a frame on him for a second. You get all of the power that he has. He plays it perfectly. Yeah. People around him playing it. Yeah. Scary. <laughs> One of my all-time favorite recastings in a movie is Bill Duke is in X-Men The Last Stand as Bolivar Trask, the guy who creates the Sentinels. <laughs> um, he is then recast <laughs> with Peter Dinklage. A very clear one-for-one. One. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, match for they're like, we're going to show this guy. We're really going to cast in the opposite direction. <laughs> um, very, you know, when I look at Peter Dinklage, I'm like, Bill Duke type. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I think. Uh, no. Uh, so we get those two guys. Yes. And we're introduced to the third guy, Kieran Culkin, as Charlie. 
mm-hmm. pretty um like unceremoniously. He's just you can tell he's like the least important member of this. Well, he thing. just like shows up. There's no like hiring scene yeah. with Charlie. He's the one you're supposed to know the least about for suspicion, and then also for like he's not he's not a lead character, right? Because he's the one that's connected most to Fraser's character. Um, yes. Whereas Cheadle and um, Del Toro are just muscle. They're just hired muscle. Mm-hmm. So um, then we get to David Arbor's place. Yeah, there's a brief scene where um, Cheadle goes to his either ex-wife or sister. I, uh, They don't say. It, I was it, feeling sister. This is after it all goes down, though. No, this is before. The before? Oh, we know it is no, after. No, you're right. It's after because right. that's you're when right. he gets the the book. Yeah, you're that's right. That's when they right, talk right. about like the the ledger or whatever. You're right. Um, because there's a scene when David Harbor's house before the guys show up, yes. just to get the family dynamic in. Yeah. Uh, David Harbor, his wife, Amy played, Sim, Amy Simons. Yeah, and then they have their two kids. David Harbor plays an accountant for what kind of business? Um, it's auto a, business. An auto business of some kind. Yeah. Um, they don't. They don't really explicitly say what. Um. Yeah. Um, I can't remember if they say which company he works for. Yeah. But I think it's supposed to be kind of anomalous. There's like a, a line of dialogue where it hints that he's been having an affair with his secretary before the guys show up. Just like very thrown out there. Like you don't really catch it that mm-hmm. much. Then uh, the guys show up um, and they're wearing these masks and they pretty much they hold the whole entire family up at gunpoint. And that's when they like lay it out on David Harper. It's like, okay. My two guys are going to stay here while you and me are going to take a ride to your boss's uh, office, and we need that file that's in the safe. Mm. He's like, if as long as you get that done by 10 a.m., then nothing bad will happen. We'll be all good. And so Kieran Culkin goes with um, uh, David, Harbour. David Harbour yeah, to the office while Benicio and Cheadle are left to kind of babysit um, yeah. Amy Summits and their two kids. Um. I do want to quickly shout out, if we're talking about actors in this movie, who are also good directors, Amy Simons um, directed She Dies Tomorrow and mm. a lot of TV. Yes. Um, Soderbergh loves to cast directors in his movies. Yeah. Um, less competition. Less competition because he can kill them. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, we talked about this when we watched Jurassic Park when they cast um, Richard, Attenborough. Richard Attenborough. So it's like, now you can't win the fucking Oscar this year, dude. <laughs> There's nothing better than a director putting another director in their movie. Yeah. Um, it is Richard Attenborough in Jurassic Park. It is Frank Watts Rufo in Close Encounters. It is David Lynch in The Fablemans. Yeah. Um, it is Paul Thomas Anderson playing someone on a train in Minority Report. Yes. <laughs> He's like on the train <laughs> in the background. That's uh, good stuff. It's just only listed Spielberg yeah. movies there, but there are other examples there are. of this. Um, there's some business in the house with Cheadle and Del Toro with the family, but it's mostly just kind of like them acclimating to the family yeah. a little bit. It's just kind of fun Soderbergh dialogue. Like, yeah. Kinda just snappy scenes. Yeah. It's a neighbor important. comes over at one time. I thought there was a moment where I thought when she gives the bird feeder that mm-hmm. there was something going to be there about like the kid was just going to ask to walk home from school and not 
there's nothing the bird feeder has nothing to do with it and then the kid would get the bird feeder to her mom and her mother knows oh if the if she gives me the bird feeder that means something's bad happening in the house mm-hmm. like i was totally like get thinking well clearly what happens is she puts the bird feeder out and the birds eat it and then after a few hours it reveals a message right so, <laughs> um, underneath all the right feed. yeah i was thinking like okay how is soderbergh gonna try to trick me in this scene but there, there is no trick in this yeah. one that at least um, um, but that that is basically all just like it's not essential to discussing the plot, but it's fun stuff. Yeah. The important point of this movie, I was never bored watching this movie. There's yeah. No scene I of this movie where I was way. like even though this is kind of like objectively fat in regards to the movie, it's like you you like it. It's like the good fat on the side of the steak that mm-hmm. gives flavor to the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um so we're at the office. Yeah. With Harbor, um and Culkin. <laughs> the scene is so funny. I love this scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He goes in. Um, He's freaking out. Yes. I'm trying to figure out who the actress playing the secretary is. Um, keep it going. Uh, but he, he gets into his office and then sneaks into his boss's office. But going to his boss's office, uh, he has to come across his secretary. Um, is it? I'm trying to find the name of her, too. Uh, but so they're clearly having an affair with each other and cause she's like, did you, you told your wife cause she sees him. And the first thing she sees is a disgruntled David Harbor, like sweating yeah. panties. Like, Oh my God, you told her. It's like, no, I didn't tell her. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, what are you talking about? I told my, I told my husband or whatever. And it's like, yeah, I will we'll talk about it later. But she is insisting like, by the way, where do you keep the combination of that safe? By the way, it's like nothing not about the accommodation. You tell me, what are you, when are you going to tell your wife? And it's like, I really can't think about this right now. Right. <laughs> like this is life and death. The scene is so funny. Yeah. And then the end of the movie makes, this so much funnier yeah yeah because like to jump ahead they're they were both planning to steal the document already yeah, <laughs> yeah. um and sell it to another auto manufacturer mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you're like imagine you make this plan and then suddenly one of your cocos beers comes on i gotta steal it today <laughs> I gotta yeah. do it <laughs> if you don't help me i'm gonna lose my Cause, mind because i think in this scene there is bits of this dialogue where once you finish the movie, you get, oh, they're yeah. actually talking about the car they're going to take to California with the document. Yeah. Oh, they're colluding. But in the first scene, you think, oh, like they're just having an affair and they want to drive away together or something like yeah. that. And so eventually he like rips off the combination, goes to the safe, opens it, and there's nothing there. It's yeah. empty. And she's like, yeah, he, he brought it to his house. In Ohio. Yes. Northern Ohio. Um, and so he's like, oh, God. So he gets a fake he gets an envelope puts like some fake papers in there <laughs> and i'm just like what is he doing and he <laughs> the worst scheme and he gets in in no he he first calls fraser through the payphone and and um fraser tells him and colkin's like all right just meet me at the house after like afterwards no wait for me to call yeah go to the house and wait for me to call yeah have you guys ever seen the informant yes no um it's another soderbergh movie um, essentially, imagine the David Harbor character yeah. played by Matt Damon. Oh yeah, um, as an informant for the, the corn, FBI. right? That's the it's just a, the uh, lysine price fixing right. conspiracy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so, that comedy, like, yeah. th- I, there was a lot of those comedic moments in this thing, which was actually like kind of dark. Yeah, yeah. In this, in no sudden move, Soderbergh, yeah. like, he has this um, like genre that he likes working in, where it's like. Dark comedy is about the evils of capitalism, and I would include this movie in it. I would include yep. the informant. Informant, yeah. Um, Contagion, I would, probably. Contagion, probably. Logan Lucky is in it. Because oh, they're, totally. They're all movies about like 
goofy characters getting embroiled in like these vast conspiracies. But yeah, you know, Harbor is giving a very Matt Damon and the Informant performance in this scene. Yeah, where it's like I'm just gonna put some papers in an envelope and pass it to the mob. <laughs> yeah, well, and Fraser does a really good job in this phone conversation because he he says go to the house, wait until I call. Yeah, and he leaves it off where it's like very like at the surface level you think he's saying like a very disarming way. It's like yeah. okay, well it's handled. Then go to the house, wait till I call. But then if you but you let it fester in your mind, like, wait a minute, because then all this stuff builds up, like get the family all in one room. It's like, yeah. wait, why are we getting all the family in one room? Yeah, yeah. You're supposed to wait till he calls. The phone starts ringing. And like his mask, it, he leaves his mask in the car, it leaves his mask in the yeah. car, like all these things, like build all this tension. It was genius, like suspense yeah. work. Because Harbor at one point or Amy Simon says to the kids, they're if, wearing masks, they're wearing masks, means they, they don't, don't want to hurt us. Yeah. But then Kieran Culkin leaves his mask in the car. And yeah. You're like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. You know what that means. Yep. And then the phone starts ringing, but then they're ignoring the phone. And then he's like, get all the kids in the room. And it was such a good mass build of suspension. Yeah. And eventually, Culkin draws a gun at, Ar- at Arbor. Yeah. And then Don Cheadle shoots him, shoots him in, the, in the head. And Kieran Culkin is killed. Um, just dies. Tragically yeah. for us all. Yeah. Um, as the phone is ringing in the yes. house. Yeah. And then we get the the best Fraser phone acting sequence oh, of it, all time. Yes. Because he's like, you should pick it up. And then it's the the wife picks it up first, I want to say. Yes. And she's like, hello. And it's like, wait, who is it? Give, <laughs> give me Charlie. I want Charlie. And he's like, uh, Charlie's not with us right now. He's <laughs> like, what? Okay. Like, put the guy on. Put the, put the guy on. And so it's like. They put Harbor they on. They put Harbor on. And he's like, I want to talk to Charlie. He's like, he's indisposed. Yeah. Put, put, put the other guy on. <laughs> and, then it's, and then it's like Del Toro. And he's like, yeah. yes. And it's like, you're still not Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> and then he like says like he didn't come in with uh, the guy. And he's like, what do you mean he didn't come in with the guy? I know. Oh, oh, just put the, put the guy on. And then Don Cheeto. <laughs> gets on it's like <sighs> this is where you said like he just like middle management he just so exacerbated it he's so annoyed <laughs> that he's, so he's like, with, yeah, like okay a manager <laughs> fuck it just meet me at this restaurant with the like with the goods and like just kill everybody there and meet me at this restaurant yeah including the including uh, del toro yeah. yeah and so then he hangs up and immediately their plan is like all right so you're gonna call the police you're gonna tell them that Culkin broke in and you shot him in self-defense and he's like, what do you mean? I can't do that. It's like, yeah, here. And he gives him the gun and May points him and shoots two more bullets into Culkin. Yeah, this is like the the big, like, error. Um, the one, like, big error that Cheadle and all them make is he picks up Culkin's gun Culkin's and shoots gun. him with Culkin's gun. Yeah, exactly. Rather than leaving him a gun that could be his Yeah, he could have just given him his gun. Right. Um, and it, it, that does kind of lead not to Cheadle's downfall, but to some people's downfall. Yeah. Right. And it's also like, you know, they all have that talk with the family and you're like, pack your bags, everybody. Like, we're not going to talk to anybody. Um, and so then Del Toro and Cheadle leave and the, or no, they take, they take Arbor with them. Yes. Cause he's like, where is the document? And he's like, it's at my boss's house in Northern Ohio. It's like, well, then you're coming with us to Northern Ohio. Oh no, wait. They, he says, there is a gap. I'm going to call you. Yeah, 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 yeah. And when yeah, I call, yeah. you're going to help me. Yeah. So this is where they go to the, we don't know if sister or. Yeah. Okay. I, we forgot one small important oh, exposition right. bit, which is Culkin having a conversation with Del Toro in the house explaining Cheadle's background that Goins worked in Watkins' mob and there was a job at the Watkins hotel. Watkins Bill Duke. 
Yeah, and and he there was a job that went wrong that results in a lot of people getting shot and killed, but Goins walked away with Watkins's ledger that has all of his like business dealings on it. 10 years of people being owed, of people that owe him money. Yeah. And so everybody knows that like Goins has that ledger. And if that were to ever like come out or whatever, he, however he says it, it's like Goins has like a target on his head, basically. So that that was just like the one because mm. that follows into the scene where he then travels with Del Toro. They first go to Del Toro's place and there's mobsters waiting on him. Right. So they yes. keep driving. It's like I know the, why they're after me. I don't know why they're after you. Um, do we ever find out why they're after Del Toro? Just because he's with them? I think well, it's just kind of like he. Do we think that he knew about the wife, Capelli? Yeah, he because he does uh, say he has suspicions. So something earlier about that we sort of glossed over is that uh, Del Toro is with uh, Julia Fox uh, when we first see him. Capelli's <clears throat> wife, correct? Notorious goblin mode because Ray Liotta's <laughs> Frank Capelli. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So this movie is confusing in the good way. Yes, and all of yes. these characters all have weight. And yes, they're all planting they all do. things, and that's the th- like when you say you're not ever ent- you're, there's not one moment where you're not entertained is because you're trying to stay play along with this whole thing, yeah. and everyone is ahead of you as an audience member yeah. the whole time. And you were about to say there is a lot of scenes that seem like they're just like a lot of like nice juicy fat to it, but inside of this juicy fat, there's like a line of dialogue that's like kind yeah. of important to yeah. know. Yeah, that just comes like, up later. Yeah, that, yeah, exactly. Like from uh, to the audience, from what we're describing, would you? believe if i told you this movie was about the originator origination of the catalytic converter (laughs) (laughs) i was waiting for you to get to that i didn't want to just spew it out there i I wanted wanted to build up to that moment because that is my favorite part of this movie absolutely hilarious because when they first describe it like we'll get to that moment later because it's such a good scene because right now they del toro and cheeto go like they go together they pass del toro's house that has mobsters waiting by so then they stop by Cheadle's place where he talks to his like is it just his friend or like it's just his friend okay who is like a bellhop at the Gotham Hotel yes um, he's staying with him oh, he's crashing with him right yeah and so <laughs> and so he he says like yeah like Watkins and everybody they're after you there's a bounty on your head right now yeah. and it's like how much and it's like 10 grand for the white guy, five grand for the black guy. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? <laughs> it's like, so, like, wait a minute, why? And so then he, they leave from there. He goes to his, like, again, I don't know if it's ex wife or whatever place. They build it up like an ex wife who remarried, yeah. had a kid because he's been in jail or something. But he says, you have my luggage. So he grabs his luggage, and in the luggage is the ledger that's been talked about yes. earlier. So. Cheadle's like at this point what what's great about it is he's so much the lead but he's the lead who like you said Will is like a step ahead of kind of everybody um so because he's building up like leverage for himself whereas him and Del Toro it's like oh we're just gonna like finish the job and pocket it all for ourselves it's it's the same trick he pulls in Logan Lucky where the whole time you're like Channing Tatum's kind of a guy who's in over his head and you think Cheadle's in over his head and then the end of the movie recontextualizes the whole thing. We're like, no, everyone else is in over their head with Cheadle. He's pulling the con on everybody. Yeah. And he's the only one who gets out with what he wants. And so cut back to the house, the police show up. John Hamm plays the main detective. Yeah. 
Um, who looks so much like Don Draper. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's just how do you not, with the fedora and like the 60s style suit. Yeah. John Hamm is like, I feel bad for him because he is kind of stuck in that like 1950s detective or mobster like look. Yeah. It just When you look at his face. Yes. It, and also like, in the town, he's playing something yeah. similar to this. Yes, <laughs> <modern> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so um, he questions the entire family. And first he questions like David Harbour, who... I love David Arbor's like testimony in this. He's like, yeah, so he comes in and then, uh, you know, I saw that he was going to draw his gun. So I shoot him. It's like, whoa, 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 back up. You said you shoot, shot him with his own gun. So how did you get his gun? He's like, and did you shoot him from the same angle? It's like, well, no, I shot him from his head here. And then I saw he was going to grab his gun. So then I moved over here and shot him twice over here. It just makes no <laughs> yeah. sense. The story makes no sense at mm. all. Um, which is one of the things that like John Hamm is like kind of picking up on. Yeah. But then he talks to the boy because they're all like, there's any, no other guys here. Nope. It was just Colkin. That was the only guy talks to the boy. He's like, yeah, well, one of them told us, wait, one of them. Who's them. It's like, I'm, I'm one of the, like him. He told us to go into there. He's like, what? <laughs> it's like that, that scene in the Big Lebowski where he's like, who's weed? He's like the, the Royal weed. <laughs> um, and uh, the who, which actress plays the wife? Uh, Amy, Amy Simons. Uh, who? Amy Simons. Simons. So Amy Simons. Then she has her like interrogation scene with the cop, and she she does an amazing job too because she's just smoking a cigarette. Like it's like, can you think of why they would target your family? Because they don't like happiness. Like, <laughs> I loved that. <laughs> it was so good. Um, so then I think they, after that, I mean, it's basically like Harbor drops his family off. And links back up with Del Toro and Jeetal. Yeah. And they head to Harbor's boss in Ohio's house. Yes. And get <laughs> maybe the funniest scene of the I movie. I love this scene. Like, very clearly, Cheadle and Del Toro could have just walked in the house and held a gun at the guy's head and said, get us the document. But they're like, no, we're going to make Harbor do it. Yeah. Yeah. And so he walks into his boss's <laughs> office and is like, I love my job <laughs> so much. I'm willing to get fired for it. And just starts beating up I'm going to punch you, sir. He's he like, says. sir. And he takes off his jacket or it loosens his tie. It's like, I'm going to have some physical activity with you, sir. <laughs> gonna, like, well, you said it. He's, he's literally like, I'm going to punch you, sir. <laughs> and he just starts punching. He's like, I'm sorry, sir. I'm sorry, sir. I love, I'm sorry. My, job I love so my job. I love my job. <laughs> Eventually he gets the document. Which is like that that that's the movie right there. Yeah. It's 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 doing things you don't want to do and yelling you love your job the entire time. <laughs> it's beautiful. Um beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. But they do get the document. Um and they head back and they uh drop Harbor off. Yeah, meanwhile John Hamm re talks to the son again and he's like, you know, people really don't get in trouble unless they start lying. Yeah. And you said them. It's like, Oh, I said him. It's like, nah, you changed it to him. Yeah. I'm usually go with your first instinct kind of guy. I'm only saying this word for word because John Hamm just is always doing a good he job. Did a really this. good job of playing. He's like so. I, and then he like confesses and tells him like, okay, there were more guys there and blah blah blah. Tells him the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So then it's, I, I think the next scene it's like it's raining and they or no 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 wait they call Fraser at some point. Yeah, they call Fraser to set up a meet, um, because they. They kind of like. Sorry. No, I thought it was Capelli. Oh, it's Capelli. Because they're gonna try and sell it to both, kinda. Well, not yet. They're gonna try and sell it to Capelli. Okay. And then it gets when they're there. That's when Fraser shows up. Yes. 
Yeah, right, like, right, right. Because they're talking and they're like, Fraser is a, is a middleman. He's not the guy who orchestrates this. And so they said they're going to call Capelli and mention the documents to him. And depending on his reaction, that'll tell them all they need to know. Yeah. Um, if he's interested or if he um, is just like, nah, I don't want any involvement in this. And Del Toro is more connected to Capelli than yeah. Cheadle is. So it's yeah. Del Toro who talks to him first. Yeah. And there's like the insinuation that Del Toro is having an affair with Julia Fox, Julia Fox, Capelli's wife. Yeah. And Capelli. Just, you also yeah. don't know in that conversation, like who knows what does yeah. Capelli know if there's really an affair or does he. And then I don't know. It's there's just so much of that duplicity going yeah. on the whole time in every interaction. Yeah. And it's so. And the thing that's so genius is like you think Capelli knows that there's an affair going on. Um, and he's oh, like, yeah. and he's like, my wife told me that you guys are having an affair. And so Del Toro like cops to it. And then after Del Toro leaves, he goes up to Julia Fox and he's like, he told me you guys were having an affair. He admitted it. Yeah. And then um, he beats his wife. Yeah. He beats his wife. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, then it's the restaurant scene, I think. Yeah. So, yes. they, oh, well, he calls Watkins though. Cheeto calls Watkins at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus after. No, I think you're on. I think what happened is Watkins tries to set or. Cheeto tries some, something up with Watkins, but in the meeting with Capelli, Russo, Del Toro, tries to also set up a deal to screw Cheeto. So they've both set up sort of separate things, and then at the t- same time, Fraser shows up. Because Capelli has called Fraser yeah. to yeah. screw both of them. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, the, the scheme at this point is basically um, uh, Cheeto is going to make good on his debts with bill duke by paying him with the money he's going to get from selling the document to ray liotta yes. playing frank capelli um but liotta calls fraser to get him involved in it yeah. to rip off both del toro and Cheadle and get the document without having to pay it because yes. do we know who hired fraser i it it was matt damon right yes yes it was matt damon who hired fraser who then hired both capelli and watkins who then hired their own guys yes like yes. It was like, and that, Matt Damon even says it later in the scene. It's like, it was it starts with him, and then he hired this person who hired this person who hired this person. Like and I, somehow the low bottom pole got all the way up to yeah. Matt Truly Damon. Truly confusing in a good way. Yeah. Like, Wait, so was, d- d- sorry, the sidebar. Does, do we think George Clooney was going to be the John Hamm character? Or he was definitely either going to be the John Hamm character or, Matt or Damon. the Matt Damon. Character. Okay. Yeah. The thing that's fun about Damon, and I was uh, was going to wait until we got to him, but I'll just say now, Matt Damon's uncredited in this movie. I was going to say, yeah, I don't. No shit. Yeah. He's uncredited, um, and he's he and Soderbergh are friends. He does a lot of oh, Soderbergh yeah, movies. Oh yeah, there's Interstellar moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, he's so good in Interstellar. And uh, Thor three. And Thor, Thor Ragnarok. Oh We're my. just constantly being surprised by Matt Damon being in the movie. <laughs> it it is, is my understanding that Matt. Matt Damon is a guy who loves doing cameos. It's like his favorite thing. Because <laughs> he's like, you're telling me I can be in a movie. I only have to work two days and I get to travel somewhere. Yeah. Like sign me up. Yeah. As long as like you're like, it's a competent production. Matt Damon does an insane amount of cameos. Yeah. He is. He's in Deadpool two oh, in right. unrecognizable prosthetics as a hillbilly yeah. for yeah. one <laughs> shot. It's fantastic. <laughs> like, okay. I, I've brought up Matt Damon's filmography. <laughs> I'm going to tell you... Sidebar for this. I'm going to count how... This is no longer a sidebar. You've steered the train off the tracks. I am going to count from 2017 onward the amount of cameos he has done. Okay. Put some music in Wikipedia does put cameo next to the name. 
Oh, perfect. Okay. In Thor Ragnarok, he played Loki actor. Cameo. Unsane, Detective Ferguson. Cameo. Deadpool 2, Redneck 1. Cameo. Ocean's 8, Linus Caldwell. Cameo in deleted scene. Um, Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Loki. Cameo. No Sun and Move. Mike Lowen. Cameo. Uh, Thor, Love and Thunder. Loki actor. That's right. Cameo. Yeah, like, it is all just like... Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. That's like the cameos. He loves it. It's fantastic. And it's I fun. love that for him. It was cool to see. And I had no idea, obviously, because he's not, uh, you know, built. But when they open the door and he's in there, it's like, oh, wow, this is going to be an awesome, meaty scene yeah. that they're meeting with the head honcho. Yeah. Who, and it's just them two. And also that's set there. Well, I don't want to skip ahead. We'll get to there. It was, yeah. I Sorry. I will just say I got spoiled that Matt Damon was in the movie. I didn't know what role, though. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know, like, when he was going to come in. I was kind of waiting for it. And then when they opened the doors to that boardroom. Like, of course. And I'm like, oh, fucking course. That's <laughs> Matt Damon. Got you again. <laughs> so the dinner scene. Yeah. Yes. So they link up at this dinner place with Capelli um, to ascertain, like, he Capelli brings the money. I think they're. Um, it's like 50 grand or something. Yeah, like, like 50 that. grand or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And. They're gonna. They, they both think. Sorry, um, uh, Sheetal and uh, Del, Toro. Del Toro both think that they're asking a lot. Yeah. For twenty five a piece. Yeah. yeah. And it increasingly becomes that they're lowballing. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I love that like this movie continues to just grow, rise. Just ramps the last the scene where yeah. John Hamm gives Matt Damon the suitcase. Like, I actually recounted it. It was actually like four hundred and thirty six. Yeah. Like Jesus Christ. Because he calls. Um, or when Cheadle calls Bill Duke. Uh, he is like, so I'm gonna get fifty thousand. I can pay you forty five to clear my name, and then I'm gonna take five grand, which yeah. is what I was originally promised for this job. Yeah. And Bill Duke's like, okay, that's fine. And so they come here, and you know, Ray Liotta like passes the the money off. Yeah. And they pull out the documents, and then Fraser shows up with a gun, which he puts under a napkin. Yeah, <laughs> very subtly, very, very, very good. Yeah. It's like it's funny how he's still like holding the gun pretty decently high. Yeah. So it looks so obviously gun shaped around a napkin. And Fraser's like, you thought you could pull a fucking fast one on me, huh? The way he moves too, yeah. Fraser. Like it, it's so good. Uh, he is menacing, but he's also, like you said, he's exasperated. He just goes in between all of those. You can different... tell he's excited to yes. be in this movie. Yeah. Like he really wants to do his best job. Oh yeah. He pulls yeah. it all out. Because he's stops. excited to be in this movie with a real character. Even if it's not a big character, but he's doing like a real movie with a real character. He's excited by this. And he's like, he's doing a lot of stuff. Yeah. Just trying, flexing some muscles that have not yet been flexed in a while. And so he, he holds him up at gunpoint. He's like, okay, so this is what's really going to happen. And Cheeto's like, well, uh, well, okay, well, first off, you know, and he does like a distracting gesture and then he throws like a plate or something yeah. at him. And then, like, does a dive over. And then there's, like, men with guns in the yeah, bar, which I think guys. are Capelli hires. Well, pr- yeah, because they picked – yes, I think it's Capelli has planted these people there. Yeah. Because he knows. And he basically runs the town. Yeah. And so they, they fire off guns. Fraser immediately gets hit, like, three times in the back <laughs> that, and dies. I was like, oh, that's that. <laughs> that's that with Fraser. <laughs> Fraser he just dies. Movie. But he had way more than I thought he was going to have. Yeah, that's going true. Into this movie. Yeah. I didn't know we were going to see him at that dinner scene. It yeah. caught Either, me off guard. I was like, okay, great. Imagine if, like, okay, I don't think it would have been better, but I'm just spitballing here. If that first scene in the car, which is the only other time we see Fraser's face, if he it was, like, covered in some case... Maybe not wearing a mask, yeah. but like maybe he just like you had only like, shoot him from the back. Like you know, like the detective where you have the fedora and like your yeah. your collar up, and it was like kind of hiding it, and then it was like, but you hear the voice, and you're like, 
Do I? Yeah. Is that voice sounds familiar? <laughs> and then we don't get the face reveal. When we get the phone call voices, and you keep oh, thinking like, still wait voice- a minute, it's yeah. like I think I kind of recognize that voice. And then, and it's like, oh my god, finally I find you guys, and it's Brendan <laughs> Fraser who sits in the diner. That would have been pretty yeah, of a cool, been pretty cool. That would have been a pretty cool reveal. But I'm- then he would have just died. Right away. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it makes it even better. I'm glad we got to see his face in the first scene. I am glad. Well, or sorry, did you guys see? Did either of you see Bo was afraid? No. Oh yes. Um, Richard Kind in that movie, where the entire movie he's just on the phone. Absolutely. And I'm like, okay, so they're just using Richard Kind as a phone voice. That's so good. That's so funny. I've... He pops up in the last <laughs> scene of the movie, finally in person, and it was such a delight. Yes. He's like, All right. So here's my window. <laughs> Instant recognizability yeah. on the phone. You know yes. who it is, and I was like, oh, that's a beautiful stroke. And then, of course, now I'm gonna see him in person, be his grand self. Mm-hmm. I love Richard Kind. Um, he should be in this movie. Okay, but um, so Fraser gets <laughs> shot. And he's dead. <laughs> Fraser, his death is kind of funny. all right, and we will see you next week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll see you next week, buddy. Cheadle t- he, like, gets up from the table and immediately gets hit by like two billion bullets. Oh yeah, <laughs> he took them all in the back. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Capelli takes the money and runs, and yep. then Cheadle chases after him. No, he runs out. He takes the paper. Runs or Cheadle runs? No, Cheadle chases him, but uh, Del Toro looks in the suitcase and it's fake. It's just like paper shredding. Paper shredding. Oh right. But right, he right, now right. has the half of the yeah. document. Yeah, I believe. Yeah. So they, they go after Capelli. They get the documents from him and get him to like cop up the um the truth. Yeah. The matter at that point. Because the truth changes quite a bit in this movie. Because <laughs> they catch him out by the car. Yes. And they just beat him up and yeah. toss him in the trunk. Yeah. And yeah. then they call the num- a number. How do they get that number? Uh, Capelli gives it to them. Capelli Ray- gives Ray Liotta does cop like who he's working for. Oh, that's for. right. That's right. And it's he's working for Naismith, who's a Studerbaker executive. Yeah. Yes. This is when the movie makes the turn into being the best thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and so they called that guy... And they're planning to ask for like their fifty grand. And they're like, "How much would you know you pay to get this document?" And Nazem's like, "The original deal of one hundred and twenty-five thousand." <laughs> and she's like, "Okay." <laughs> it's like, uh, "Yeah, yeah, one hundred twenty-five right. sounds right. <laughs> that sounds perfect." And so they make a deal that they're going to hand off the documents to the Studebaker executive, Naismith, yeah, in the lobby of the Gotham Hotel. Uh, Capelli escapes at this point. Yeah, out of the trunk. Yeah. When he gets home. Um, he is killed by Julia Fox again. This comedy that yeah. comes up, you're like, I loved it. Yeah, and, you know, and also the retribution for her. Yeah, you know, she gets you know her vengeance, retribution, and he gets you know written out of the movie <laughs> immediately. Yeah, this movie is very efficient. That when a character is no longer needed, they quickly <laughs> can, can cut them out. Of yeah. They are shot in the face and gone. <laughs> yeah, it happens many times. But how does? How does Damon get involved though? Because I know how they get Naismith, which is not who's not Damon. So yeah, you you probably have it. You no, wanna, you uh, jump in. So the um, they make the deal with the Studebaker executive, and then they go back to um, uh, Harbor's boss's house, and we get 
the be- the best one line oh, is that rye. the wife's like back to Ohio. We- <laughs> <laughs> drive an hour back to Ohio. <laughs> they drive a full hour back to Ohio, and we cut to inside the house, and the wife's like freaking out. He's like, "Don't worry, those men. <laughs> there's no reason for them to they come back." Got what they wanted, and then Cheeto and Del Toro walk, walk into in. the room, <laughs> and the wife's like, "Oh, fuck <laughs> back. And they're like, "Who are you working for?" Oh, that is perfect. Yes, 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 yes. And he's like, all right, I'm working for Lowen, the head of the, uh, like, the car. C-A-A. Yeah. Um, Is it Chrysler? No. It's like. The conglomerate. Yes. The working. It's someone who worked. It's like some sort of association that worked with the big four at that time. Okay. Um, but before this moment, they decide. They're like, wait, we're going to bail on Naismith and go to this other guy. And or Russo says that. And Cheadle. Um, Goins is like, no, we're just going to add. So they're going to try and dupe two people in different areas of the Gotham Hotel. That is the plan at this moment. Yeah. That Naismith is going to, in the lobby, um, get hustled by Bill Duke. And then upstairs, they're going to get their money for a total of 500000 Yeah. (laughs) Because they get the money from the guy in Ohio, or the number from the guy in Ohio to call... Damon. Lowen at Damon. And so they go, they they set up this grand scheme. What is going on? (laughs) Yeah, it's like, it's, like I said, it's so confusing, but in a good way. Yeah. Um, It's, it's, it's uh, Soderbergh going back to Ocean's 12 world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ocean's 12 may be the most incomprehensible movie ever made. (laughs) (laughs) But you're having such a good time, you do not care. No. Yeah. At some point, they're just like, Julia Roberts is playing. So many great faces you're just seeing. (laughs) (laughs) Julia Roberts is playing herself at one point in that movie, and also the character she is. It's like, what is happening? Um, Bruce Willis comes in. He's like, hey, it's me, Bruce Willis. Wait, what? Um, they show up to Gotham Hotel. Yes, and they first Gotham, and they first, take control, <laughs> take control of your hotel for good prices. <laughs> the pool is open. You're just gonna let him go. Just keep. Yeah, you, gotta, you, you can't cut him off. <laughs> you can't cut him off. You just gotta have to let him like keep... continental breakfast seven to ten every morning. Seven to ten. That's pretty good, actually. <laughs> that is pretty long. Most like it's like eight to ten or I know. seven to nine. You're, I'm guaranteed. It's like a two hour. Window. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Three hour window. That's really generous. He should be in the room. Wow. Yeah. Uh so they get Anyways. they get to the hotel and the first person they meet with is Lowen played by Damon. Um and we get this really long uh monologue from Damon about sort of like because prior to this, like I don't know if you guys caught it that it was the catalytic converter right away when he started reading shit. Because there were moments it's like, what is this? It looks like a thing for an exhaust. Um, someone says muffler. It yeah, looks like say, a new muffler. Yeah, it's like yeah. a new muffler. Because they don't know what they're looking at. And it's like, and they call, when they call Naismith, it's like, how do I know you got the real document? He's like, the catalytic conversion, oh, of blah, 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 blah. Sorry, something just clicked for me. And it's yeah. so funny. One, they ask him what it's about earlier, uh, Ray Liotta. And he says, it's a Cadillac convertible. Yes, it's a Cadillac. <laughs> it just clicked with me right now. That's brilliant. That's right. Yeah, when he says Cadillac, Cadillac convertible, convertible, I'm like, wait a minute. This is all about a catalytic converter. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> Nobody knows what they're dealing yeah. with here. And they're they don't like, know they why. Man, they just wanted a deal. We set up the deal. <laughs> yeah, and it's like they don't know why it's that valuable at all. So then eventually Damon says the words like the catalytic converter will never be made to a, 
a a degree that can cover all the automobiles and like it can't fit or it can't be something that everyone can put in a yeah in a car yeah and the public's not going to know about how pollute how much pollution yeah in in the official stance ed solomon had wrote something much more uh nicer than how i phrased it yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's like the the automobile industry's official stance is that we do not contribute to the mass pollution in los angeles yeah it's like something like that yeah um, but that's the moment where they realize, it, we too, that it's the catalytic converter that yeah. they're trying to suppress this. Yeah. So this whole thing has been about the catalytic converter that the automobiles industry doesn't want it to get out. And they're paying a lot of money to like keep it like hidden secure. And that's yeah. why it's this goose chase to like find it, essentially. Um, but yeah, the monologue goes on to be like, yeah, like, you know, I'm giving you a lot of money, but I have lots of money. Like. Yeah, Girls he tried to get the last word, mm-hmm. and he did. Yeah, um, about saying like this doesn't matter to me. You think you're winning? You're not. Like I'm basically like God. And Del Toro's yeah. just like, I mean, we have your money, so yeah. <laughs> right. but just like you are, you know, little uh, people in the grand structure. Yeah. Of, um, he doesn't say capitalism, but it's like clear that is like, the representation. That's the idea. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it's like everybody is just a pawn in this grand machine, and he's even like, just as I cannot understand God's grand plan. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you cannot understand. Yeah. Like yeah. Like you're even I am just like a small part of this grand machine that is running. Yeah. That and, involves the mob, the businesses, the police, all working together. Yeah. And trying to suppress how um, much pollution cars is another facet of that of someone trying him trying to play God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so eventually they, they do give him both halves of the document. They, they have their money. And then at this point, Watkins and his gang show up and arrive. Yes. And they knock on the door to like the boardroom. Meanwhile, Naismith's in the lobby with another suitcase of money just kind of waiting. Well, he runs out when he sees Bill Duke's guys. Yes. They, well, kinda, they tell it. They put yeah. their hand on his shoulder. Yeah. yeah. And they take the 125 from him. Yeah, I'm sorry. Bill Duke looks so good. In oh this movie. my he looks, he god! Was, uh, uh, the music behind I him know. too. Uh, there's one shot where they do like super low angle, and the yeah. sun is behind yeah. his head. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like Bill Duke is so powerful in this world; he is blotting out <laughs> the sun. Yes, very menacing presence, uh, and his voice too, just like. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah, Bill Duke and his guys come into the boardroom with their guns pulled. And John Cheadle thinks, okay, this is perfect. I'm going to take all the money plus the That's 125. The yeah. And we're going to walk out of here. Connie he says, Del sorry. Toro. He's like, sorry, Russo. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then eventually they're like, this money's too expensive. I got what I came here for. And mm. they just leave with Cheadle. Yeah. And their half of the money. They leave Del Toro yeah. with, with like the. Because it's total yeah. together 500,000. Because well, he doesn't have that yet. He does. They took. So he only has the three something, the three hundred. Del Toro takes yeah. the three seventy five. Watkins Del- takes the one twenty five. Yes. Yes. Got it. But he has two briefcases, uh, Russo, because he basically has Sheetle's half and his yeah. half. Yeah. Yes. So that's why when he goes down the hall into the room and Julia Fox is there. Yes. Um, and he up upends two, uh, suitcases. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's very, I, this is, yeah. very confused. Because I was wondering when, when Watkins and his guys walk out and they see John Hammond, they have a bag of money. I'm like, wait a minute. Okay. Yes. Who has what money? I think that's Naismith money. Yeah, that's There's Naismith about, money. At the end of this movie, about 550000 I think, is like the total that's amount the t- of money considered in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. And because, um, like, Del Toro gets away with the three seventy five from Matt Damon. Yes. And... Cheadle is taken by Bill Duke's guys with the 125 from the Studebaker Naismith guy. Yeah, he's held at gunpoint. He's yeah. not going to get any of that money. Uh, Bill Duke puts him in his trunk, and they drive off. Well, because they there's a great scene where they walk out with yeah. John well, Hamm and his guys. Oh, are yeah, there. right. That does and happen. You, and you realize that Bill Duke now has his own Watkins has developed his own version of things where he's now working with police. Yeah, because he's like, there are two solutions all end up with Goins dead. Yeah. You either arrest him now and you start riots in Detroit because this is going to be a race thing and you know it is. You're going to get like one little promotion and you'll get like a thousand dollar pay yeah. raise and you know, that's going to be it. Or you let me walk out with him. You report to you guys that he found out who did it, but was killed by his own guys. It gets celebrated as a huge victory. You get a massive bonus check and then everybody walks away yeah. happy. Well, he says you get a massive immediate bonus and That's like right. kind of flexes some money. Yeah, he's gonna. I think he gives um, John Hamm fifty thousand as yeah. a bribe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah that's right. Because yes. yeah, that goes yeah. into the later scene we'll yeah. talk about. And uh, so gives John Hamm fifty thousand as a bribe. God, wait, and, who yeah. gave the fifty? Uh, Bill Duke gives John Hamm right. fifty thousand. Yeah, because that's how it ends up with him oh, and Damon. And I was like, what the fuck? I know. Um, which really leans into a weird character thing on John Hamm's part that we'll get to later. Yeah. Um, so then, yeah, they, John Hamm agrees. They put Goins, Cheadle in the trunk and they drive off. And then it's Del Toro in the car with, uh, Julia Fox, Vanessa Capelli, and they're driving off and they're going to like, yeah. they're hightailing it out of there. And we think they're being tailed by someone in a fedora. Yeah. I, I did not think it was Capelli's, one of Capelli's men. I thought it was police enforcement yeah it was like either or right could have been or could have been police but then they take an off-road and they're like okay it looks like we lost him and then he's like uh what she said she's like babe i got this like uh champagne champagne bottle to celebrate and he unpops the cork and there's a gunshot at the same time and he's like oh and i think oh he's getting ambushed by compelli's men from in front of the road he checks and it's this flask with a bullet and he looks over and it's vanessa holding a gun it's like sorry baby and then Pops him. Him. He, he goes, oh, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> Does perfect. Yeah. And then she drives off, gets pulled over by police, and she's like, oh, I've probably been pulled over for speeding or whatever. The officer says, can you step out of the car? It's like, can I at least know what I'm being pulled over for? He's like, just step out of the car. Opens the other door, grabs the other trunk. It's like, safe travels, Mrs. Capelli, and then leaves. Yeah. I was like, God fucking damn it. Wow. Mm-hmm. So I am so excited to get to the last scene of this movie. <laughs> Yes. Um, well, which one? Well, I think to me, I, we have two scenes left. We should talk about John Hamm first. Yeah. Yes. And then we can do the the Cheadle resolution. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and the harbor. We're gonna we're gonna do it. Oh ham. yeah. Oh, yeah that's your so we're gonna do it. Fuck. Ham. We're gonna do Ham Harbor Cheadle. That's okay. how we're yes. wrapping this movie up. Well, that's how it got wrapped. Yeah. 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 Bet. In, also, in order of quality about what this <laughs> yes. saying yes. about this movie. Yes. 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 Um. Because the thing, the thing is, like Del Toro, kind of in the grand scheme of the movie, 
really isn't that important of a character. Well, that's what I was alluding He's to. He's kind of just beginning. like a, a guy. Like John Hamm's more important to the plot and more of a lead thematically than Del Toro was. Because yeah. um, John Hamm goes to um, uh, low, 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 low end, Matt, Matt Damon. Damon, and is like, "Here's the the three, money that three hundred twenty-five thousand, three seventy, or three seventy-five thousand. It was four oh because he said I actually counted it and it seems like you might have miscounted. It's actually four hundred and six thousand dollars because here. earlier Julia Fox had mentioned that she's bringing all the money that she got from Capelli after she killed him. Yes, and, and when s- they go in that when they go into her bedroom, <sighs> that is in there all yeah. the money. Yeah, and so Matt Damon's like, hmm, I guess I must have miscounted. Um, and then he says, and I also have a spare fifty grand that I came across by yeah. and hands that to Damon. Which to me is like, wait a minute, like why? John but, Hamm is just so conditioned into this is, like capitalist society. It's like, you know, honest. You know, you, you honest pay cop. Up. Yeah, it's like He's it's your honor. money. And so, because Damon even says, "I wish I could cut you in on some of this." Yeah. It's like it's your money. But he's like, "Would you like to take a bottle of liquor?" And that pick one's, anyone from the shelf. That, <laughs> that one cost eighty eight dollars. <laughs> and it's literally like being a worker. Yep. committing years of your life to the executive. Yep. You you enrich him so thoroughly and for Christmas they give you a bottle of wine. Yeah. That that is the resolution of Ham's storyline. I all. didn't know if he was going to take it. I was he like, does take he it. does. I'm so was, happy he goes he over t- and he like he like raises his eyebrows like, hmm, "I'm going to go like yeah. I'm going to take it." Well, it's it's like when, you know, you do get like a gift from Yo, your boss and like it's it's the fucking christmas vacation jelly of the month club scene like <laughs> it's just when you're like so pleased like wow my boss does care about me not me considering the fact that he's making worth. two million dollars more than you a year yeah and you're just like oh this movie and you're like how could it get any smarter than this and then the next scene comes up <laughs> that is i i know and then it's david harbour's yeah. scene or david harbour and he like goes and he sits next to his wife she offers him her cigarette he takes a drag of it to get the best line of this fucking movie where he's like, Christ, it's only Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) He's thinking about it. It's the work week. Like every day is just this stressful and it's only Tuesday. He's working for the weekend. Well, and do we miss a scene where he goes back to his office and talks to the secretary? And that's where we learn about this whole thing where they were planning on stealing the document. And then she talks about, it's like, Oh, did you cancel the rental car? It's like, I didn't cancel the rental car. And I did go see a, a real estate agent and then a dude walks in, Phil Jamoke. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, hey, uh, everything from the third shelf? It's like, yeah, everything from the third shelf. And then Deborah's like, Phil? You're going with Phil? <laughs> and he's like, well, Phil was able to, like, you know, commit or whatever. And I told Naismith or something. Mm-hmm. So then that ends. And then I think he goes home and does the cigarette yeah, drag. The Tuesday. It's line. only fucking Tuesday. It's, it's such, like so good god that that's that's good that's just like good it's sturdy writing and sums up that whole idea yeah that you were talking about about just slogging away for you know yeah the man slogging away for the man working for the weekend it's only tuesday yeah it's only tuesday <laughs> like and then we get Cheadle's yeah. scene the final scene of the movie um which starts off with that incredible shot of bill duke 
Yes, the blotting <laughs> out of the sun. <laughs> Where it's like, it's the, this, you're just looking at a shot, and it's like, the sun is right in the camera lens. And you're like, what is this shot? Like, I'm just looking at the sun, and then building steps in front of it. And you're like, oh, fuck. Oh, God. Because these cars pull I'm, I'm up. like on my couch, like having a, like, a fucking epileptic seizure. How excited I am at this. Because the cars pull up into some random abandoned like factory yard yeah. or something. And then they get Cheeto Mob out of location the... number two. Mob... <laughs> literally. Literally, that's what it was. It was mob location number two. Any, any, like, any TV show or movie worth its salt has a scene <laughs> at a location. Mob like location number two. Yeah. And so, yeah, they get Cheeto out of the trunk. He's like on the ground. And Bill Duke's towering over him with the sun at his back. Yeah. And that conversation's like... Um, like well, I'm trying to think because I know how it ends, but how does that like whole thing begin? It's he says, like you think that they brought in there to kill him, and it, it what makes you think you could have trusted me? Yeah, yeah, that's what he asked, and he's like, "You're a man to be trusted, Watkins." Yeah, he's like, "How much of this money do you think like is owed?" He's like, "I just want my five thousand. Yeah, what it was originally what, contracted. What was it contracted for? Motions to a guy, pops out five thousand, and he just says, um." I don't want to see your face ever again. You're never going to come back to Detroit mm. and uh, have fun in Kansas City. Yeah. And Cheadle's given his five grand. He walks off. Yep. And that's that's the movie. That's the movie. We get like a little like epilogue about the catalytic converter. Yeah. Which uh, I I did not know this was true. Yeah. Does it say based on true story in the beginning? I don't think so. I think like the 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 bones of it are, are no like i know entirely, it, yeah yeah i know it's like but i didn't know it was based off something that really yeah. happened about them really trying to suppress it's like um have you seen the nice guys yes um one of my most favorite movies so good. um which is also a movie about the uh car companies in detroit <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we've we've you, real yeah. niche genre yes. that you love. <laughs> I am. I guess I just love movies like this. Nineteen fifties, seventies Detroit <laughs> car company yeah. movies, <laughs> which has. Um, uh, I'm not. I'm not going to talk about the nice guys. Yeah, I, I no, can do a whole can... podcast just about the nice guys. Like I'm yeah. talking like multiple episodes. Right. I would do the Jack Healy Chronicles. Um, Stuart, have you seen the Nice Guys? I have not. Thank you for you and me us. are going to get together and we're watching the Nice Guys. Okay, this bet. is vital to our friendship. Okay, <laughs> I am the Ryan Gosling to your Russell Crowe. Well, you're constantly. Why exhausted. am I the Russell Crowe? No, you want that? I feel like you I'm want, the. You want that? You I want, want that, that in the Nice Guys. But okay. when we watch it, you'll understand. Like and. Like it's basically like Ryan Gosling just doing the worst things ever, and Russell going, "Why are you doing this? We have a job to <laughs> yeah, do." Yeah, it's like he's like the bumbling. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we're gonna get together and watch the Nice Guys. I want to watch Logan Lucky after you described it. We should watch both those movies. That's a good double feature. That That's a great like a good double, double feature. feature. Um. Anyway, so he he walks off, and we get like the text block about like the you know the car companies. Um, cut a deal with the government to put catalytic converters in all new cars and never paid any fines for trying to suppress it for 15 yeah. years suppress and just polluting the environment for yes. all those years yeah and like the thing i love about this movie is that obviously everybody at the top gets off richer than they did at the beginning yeah uh, matt damon you know says that yeah. yeah the one guy who gets away from this whole thing unscathed like on the lower echelon is the guy who just showed up for his honest day's work for an honest day's pay hmm he yeah. did a day of work and he got his fifty thousand he was originally contracted for. Never wanted anything more. Yeah, and that's what he five thousand. Yeah, five thousand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got, but yeah, and he walks out with his five thousand and heads to Kansas City. He's the only person who makes out of the movie unscathed. And the whole time, 
uh, Benicio del Toro is uh, in a racist way thinking they always don't know how to end and yeah. don't know where to cut it and um, referring to black people as a yeah. whole saying like he doesn't they don't know when to stop mm-hmm. and Don Cheadle the whole time is trying to ramp up the deal yeah but what he's doing is trying to get himself his debt paid yeah and not be killed by yeah. uh Wat- Watkins all he wants is to be debt free and walk away with five thousand set and he's set yeah and then he's the only one who navigated yeah. it he's the only one cap. who figures it out del toro tried to grab more than he was he was the one who actually wanted more than he was owed and gets killed for it yeah same with julia fox she survives but um has nothing. nothing. Capelli gets killed. Yeah. Um, Which she probably might still be on the hook for his murder. Yeah. We don't know. Probably. Probably will I would be. imagine. Yeah, especially if he's in deep with uh, um, John Hamm yeah. and them. Fraser gets killed by 10 billion bullets. He took uh, a barrage of bullets to the <laughs> like, back. An excessive amount of bullets. <laughs> yeah. It's literally like <laughs> too many bullets. It's Platoon. like James Conn and the Godfather. <laughs> <laughs> like... I did want to point out 500... Five hundred fifty thousand in nineteen fifty is equivalent to six million nine hundred seventy six thousand today. Yeah. So that was a pretty big uh, chunk of change. Well, like and even like five thousand dollars is. Oh yeah. So that's enough for him to Cheadle to start a new life. Go to Kansas City and start with this clean slate. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he's got money to like start a new life and yes. be just fine. I re- it the ending felt so satisfying. Yeah, it, it did. really did. And I was like, how are they gonna? What what is gonna happen? How are they gonna tie this all back? And especially when Del Toro got shot, I was like, well, wh- I don't know how this is gonna end now. You mm-hmm. know, because I thought I saw Don Cheadle's last sort of thing. But. Yeah. Um, can I quickly do my favorite section of the show, the IMDb trivia um, um, weirdness Please subsection? Do this. Please. Anytime I find stuff on IMDb trivia that has no business being on IMDb trivia, <laughs> I love to highlight it out. Um, Wait, pause. Does the production submit these? No, this is this is all just IMDb it's trivia. Random people, like, it's okay, all okay. fan like fan. And so you always get like people who are just like, this person is in another movie with this person. <laughs> and then I'm going to read you. There are so many for this movie. I would like to read them all off in honor of IMDb trivia, which is one of the funniest. A moment of silence for IMDb. Um, First up, Brendan Fraser and Don Cheadle were last together in the movie Crash. Crash, yeah. <laughs> uh, the first Ray Liotta Don Cheadle collaboration since the TV movie The Rat Pack. I'm like the first, like it's not like they're like. If you're just like the first De Niro Scorsese <laughs> collaboration since Casino, referring to the Ashman, that makes sense because they work together a lot. You can't be like the first Ray Liotta Don There's Cheadle. no one out there that was pining for the, <laughs> yeah, the Ray Liotta. <laughs> like, they were clearly just in the Rat Pack. That's just another thing they were in. Um, reunites Matt Damon and Don Cheadle after previously working together in the Oceans trilogy. Noted, this is listed as a spoiler on IMDb Trivia because Matt Damon is uncredited. <laughs> That's what I saw that gave it away that Matt Damon was in this movie. Um, reunites Matt Damon and Noah Jupe for the third time after Suburbicon and Ford v. Ferrari. Noah Jupe is playing David Harbour's son in this movie. They do not have a scene together. Wow. Um, and then fi- my fi- the final one, which is also listed as a spoiler. Benicio Del Toro, Don Cheadle, David Harbour, and Matt Damon are part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. John Hamm, also dubbed for Iron Man in Marvel's MODOK. Not a part of the MCU, though. <laughs> so stupid. Why they have to do him dirty like that? <laughs> so yeah, he's not part of the club, but he did something. He was yeah. in MODOK. <laughs> yeah. I, any, anytime we have one of those, I do just feel it important to shout it out. Yes. Um, 
I think it's fun. Yes. Uh, but for post-text of this movie. Yeah. Uh, movie has its premiere at the Tribeca Film Festival June 18th, 2021. Comes out on HBO Max on July 1st, um, a few weeks later. Gets overall rapturous reviews. People like this movie. Um, the Rotten Tomatoes, 92%. Average rating, 7.8. Um, everyone's basically like, it's Soderbergh bat- in the way you love him. Doing one of his like crime capers again. It was right post-COVID, yes. too. And I really do think... I was thinking about that when I was watching it. I was like, this would have done so well if it was released right yeah. now. Like, it would have had a theater run. It would have done something. And I think people would have gone to yeah. see it. These, this is the kind of movie that, you know, you want to see in theaters more. And you don't. Yeah. Um, because of reasons. Um, but it's just like... <laughs> you, I, I'm not going to go into the the yes uh, theaters and strikes and whatnot yeah. uh, there are smarter people than me who have done um extensive writing and talking about that um but soderbergh like you would you this is just like it's like your nice guys your oceans your logan luckies um I'm trying to think there was a great example of a movie that came out like this recently oh like any like pta when he did like licorice pizza or um inherent vice just like star-studded, fun capers, like dramatic comedies that are just good movies. Uh, I would put Glass Onion, like Glass the Onion, knives, yes. knives Out, those things too, like which are like they're movies. Yeah, you know, like movies were done back then, and we're like, all you want to go is see one good movie. You don't need it yeah. to be drawn out. Um, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. This no sudden move for that same reason. Like it's all I needed, yeah. and it was so satisfying. When you tell when you say the word movie, these are the type of things that I think about. Yeah, like I love you know your Oppenheimers of the world, which is an incredible film, um, and I love like um, you know I love to go see a good blockbuster. But when I think of like movie, I think of something like this. There's like around two hours, just a fun time with some movie stars, you know, doing cool stuff with a good idea at the end of it. That's the kind of thing you like that draws you into the movies. That's what was like perpetuated the machine for 50 years before they went and mucked it up. Yeah. Um, (laughs) It is a heist film too. Yeah. Which is like a very specific movie genre. Yes. Um, But they did something different with it too, which is also very hard to do after something's been overdone so many times Mm. for decades and decades. But it was just, it was just such a joy to get to talk about this movie and like that this, Finally. Yeah, and not just to talk about, but, <laughs> but more importantly than talk about, but to watch this. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Um, I feel like this is, uh, to be perfect, I think this is one of our stronger episodes we've had in a good while. Yeah. And Will, it was well, your contribution, but also just like, oh, that we're just so you. excited to talk about that, the movie That like is this. really why. It's, it's like a breath it, of fresh air. Yes. When a movie is good like that, it's mm-hmm. easy for you to talk about it yeah. in this way. Yeah. And good for Fraser, too. You guys yeah. are in a good era of Fraser. Yeah, for three movies. Yeah. <laughs> and then... Wait, then, what? And no TV, correct? No TV. Okay. Although I have my reservations, but... That would... That's, well, is it, what is there anything he is currently... Oh, Crazy. he was in Batgirl, but Batgirl got shelved. Well... Well... Uh, it's funny you say that. It's very funny you say that. Okay. I'm scared. Um... <laughs> It's it's very funny you should say that Will because um, well Stuart don't okay yeah don't blow the surprise let's not let's not blow we can't, we can't just a, cut this out I yeah. don't want well yeah, next we can't talk there's about there's it. a big surprise next week yeah. uh, um, that we have to reveal to the audience 
before we uh, before we wrap this up and say final thoughts, I do want to ask um, previous guest of the show, Mark Tilly, how do you feel about No Sudden Move? Oh, it's great. <laughs> what a good time on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he walked in. I thought we should get his live, honest reaction about this movie. It's fantastic. Uh, all, right, all right, Jeff, you want right, to take us yeah. home? Before we uh, wrap this up, I just want to say, Will, do you have any final thoughts on the movie that you wanted to get out? Um, I think everyone should. This is a testament to how good of a director and creator Steven Soderbergh is. And maybe go through some of his deeper cuts. Mm-hmm. Go back there because he has done a ton of stuff. <laughs> I have not seen it all. He has so. actually directed three movies while we've been recording this episode, <laughs> in fact. So go back to those deep cuts, see Che, watch The Nick, one of the best shows ever, um, and just you might find some of this goodness in there as well. Mm-hmm. Very good. Stuart, any final thoughts? I'm just glad we were able to you know, finally watch a movie that we didn't have to like threaten our own lives. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, I think I texted you. You were in the theater when, as I was watching this, but I was like, no sudden move. Slaps hard. Yeah. It's, it's good. It slaps very hard. Yeah. And I actually like it was I watched it a day where I got like really, really terrible sleep. I like naturally woke up at like four AM and couldn't go back to sleep. Got like three hours of sleep all the whole entire time. Mm-hmm. And I tried to watch this movie at like ten AM or something like that and I was just so dead tired and I didn't want to like tr- threaten fall asleep. So I paused it and I took a nap, woke back up, still very groggy tired, but it still kept my attention throughout the entire movie, which yes. I think is a testament to it. Because I can easily get distracted in movies, but they kept my attention. It was such a joy uh, to watch this movie, talk about something good for the first time, and I'm going to count our last good movie. Because um, I think it's probably about 10 years. Well, <laughs> the, the, the last good movie that yeah, what we was talked the ne- about. Yeah, what was the. The book? best last movie we talked about was Extraordinary Measures. Jesus But Christ. I would say the last good movie that we talked about, like capital G good, was honestly like almost 15 years ago. <laughs> It's been a while. What are you going to say? Yeah, like, what is it going to be? Tomb of the Dragon, Center of the no. Earth, Air I Breathe, Last Time, Journey the Other Night. Um, Probably, I liked Looney Tunes back in action. Fight me. <laughs> That's probably the <laughs> last one I really liked. Um, but And it's very exciting that we get to talk about some like meaty movies now. Um, and on that topic, make sure to tune in next week, um, unless anyone has anything else to say. Make sure to tune in next week for episode covering The Whale. Um, Darren Aronofsky's 2022 drama. Um, we might be joined with a guest for that one. We're waiting to hear of his schedule. But regardless, that episode will be coming out next week. We hope you enjoy it. We hope it's a good one. Um, in the meantime, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. As a reminder, we are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Amazon Podcasts. Basically, anywhere where there's a podcast, you type in our name, we're there. If you got multiple accounts, hit us with a few extra subscriptions, a few extra likes. We love it. Um, we appreciate it. Um, we appreciate you. Uh, find us on Twitter, Instagram, Blue Sky, and Threads at Travolting Pod. Email TravoltingPodcast at gmail.com. Reddit, r slash Travolting, if you you know feel like doing that. Find me on Twitter at Jeff W. Sweeney. I'm also on Blue Sky. Same thing. Um, Stuart, anything you want to plug? I am one degree away of deleting all my social media. So That's fair. No. Will, anything you want to plug? Uh, Your you movie? just said all that so quick. Like it was like the side effects for a drug that, <laughs> in the commercial. Yeah. Uh, no, nothing I want to plug. Um, I've, I, I'm just going to echo the Travolting podcast, the Fraser's Edge. Yeah. Big fan. I it's, do want to quickly shout out Will directed a movie. Um, I don't know if it's publicly accessible it's, yet. It's not publicly accessible yet. It's uh, Roadkill. Um, it will be soon, but there might be another screening. So Very cool. I'm, I'm waiting to hear about that. 
if the movie, um, whenever the movie comes out, we'll throw it in the comments, uh, the link to it here. Um, but finally, I'd like to just express special thanks to Michael Van Bodegum-Smith for the theme music that's taking you out, and Rebecca Johnson for the artwork. Have a great week, folks. See you next week for The Whale. Mm -hmm.